ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champions. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Everybody and welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. It is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the app. You know, this weekend, daylight savings time. We all gained an hour. Which I I guess, you know, it's good with the bad. You get an extra hour, that's the good part of the trade. The bad part of the trade is, well, you, you lose an hour of sunlight in the afternoon and in the evening, right? It's brighter when you wake up. You're listening to me this morning right out the gate, and it's not dark outside. It's bright outside. Take it or leave it. The point is, daylight savings time draws a lot of different emotions from different people, Right. If you have young kids, it's not like their body clocks reset or anything. They're still just up at the same time and you're dealing with it. And as a result, things kind of get thrown out of whack. Right. Your routine changes a little bit. Things are just not as settled as they normally would be. And that's about the only explanation I can come up with for how weird of a weekend it was on the football field. You had strange college football games, a lot of underdogs, at least in terms of covering, a lot of teams ranked high, not looking good. LSU-Bama goes down to the last play of the game. I mean, LSU should have won that game. They lost a turnover battle at Alabama and almost won, should have won. There were four touchdown dogs going in. We'll get into more of that later. The NFL yesterday, I mean, some of like, I'll start off with just the game last night. Yes, I was wrong about the Titans. I admit it. I haven't been a believer. They are, I still don't know how they lost to the Jets, but they are probably the most disrespected team in the NFL. They went out and kicked the you-know-what out of the Rams in L.A. Good for them. Speaking of, guess what? That's the Titans. That's who hosts the Saints next week. At that Saints game yesterday, and for three quarters and five minutes, It was absolutely maddening. A Saints defense that has been stout this year and was great against the run yesterday was letting Matt Ryan sit in the pocket, get comfortable, and do whatever he wanted. I mean, the guy is slower than me, and he's in there rushing, walking in for touchdowns. They did not apply a lot of pressure on him. Corderell Patterson was was smoking the Saints. But the frustrating part of it more so was the offense. 
Zero points in the first half. They take one step forward, two steps back. When your job title is wide receiver and you get paid six or seven or eight figures to catch a football, you need to catch the football. The Saints had as many drops and penalties in the first half as they had receptions. Trevor Simeon, he's fine. Serviceable, right? That's what you need. He was serviceable. He was getting no help from his receivers and tight end. Adam Troutman, fourth down, catch the ball, drops it. Big run on a big first down run. Marking around the left side. Oh, no, wait, it's a hold on Adam Troutman. That guy was dropping balls. I'm not even going to make the joke. He, he, he. This Odell Beckham Jr. stuff continues to heat up more and more for the Saints with reports from Ian Rappaport and others that he wants to sign with either the 49ers or the Saints. 49ers didn't look too good yesterday either against Arizona. Of course, Arizona's a good football team. The Falcons aren't. And he's expected to clear waivers today. I don't know. Maybe some team will put in a waiver claim and pay him $7.25 million, but I doubt it. For the rest of the season, that salary, I pick up the salary. The Saints certainly can't do it with the cap. You know, typically for a guy like that, who some suggest is good in the locker room, others suggest can tear a locker room up, it's probably a somewhere in between it's not as bad as it's made out to be and it's certainly not just a non-story like others say it is oh it's a non-story it's being teased but when you're the saints and you've got the lack of quality at receiver and tight end that you have right now Deontay Harris is good I know he did have a drop yesterday but Kenny Stills is bad little Jordan Humphrey isn't isn't great Marquez Callaway has his moments, but overall he's not a, he's not a you know, he shouldn't be a number one or number two. Traquan Smith, we've seen that story before. Yo yo, up and down, up and down, up and down. You 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 gotta you gotta do something. You have to try it. You don't overpay. You don't do anything beyond this year, but if you can get it at this point, at this point, you might as well sign Odell Beckham Jr. and Sr. I mean, put in a call to Eric Martin, see if he can just, you know, dust off the cleats and still play at this point. My God. And then, after just not, after it's 24 to 6, you're losing the turnover battle. Atlanta's got all the momentum. There's 10 minutes left. The Saints decide they just want to just reel off 19 unanswered points and take a lead with a minute left. What? This is bonkers nuts. Again, uh, maybe it's daylight savings time. Maybe I, maybe the month of November is just going to be really, really weird. But it was such a strange football week. And that game yesterday was weird. And then, oh, all of a sudden, just the sky passed to Patterson. Ball game. Well, well, no, maybe not yet. The Falcons were dumb enough to actually run the ball and they fumble it. Oh, but they recovered. It was, oh, I hate losing to the Falcons. I hate it. So the Saints were a favorite yesterday, and they lost. I, I, I said the game would be really close. Just the, the way it all unfolded was odd. Up and down. What a weird day in the NFL. The Bengals 
Two weeks ago, they were the toast of the town. Now they're five and four and got toasted yesterday by the Browns. 41 to 16. The Cowboys lost by two touchdowns at home to the Broncos. The Dolphins got a win, albeit against the Texans. The Giants beat the Raiders. The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Bills. Nine to six. Josh Allen stacking Josh Allen. It, it that that's the most that, that's the craziest final score of the day. The Ravens beat the Vikings. Oh, no big surprise. And then you realize, oh well, the Vikings were up by a ton and ended up losing that game in overtime. I guess that's not a surprise to either. So that one went kind of according to plan. Chargers beat the Eagles. Chiefs beat the Packers in an ugly game, thirteen seven. And then the Titans just stomped the Rams. But daylight savings time throws everything out of sorts, at least for a couple of days. Well, yesterday it was thrown out of sorts. That was weird. Saints head coach Sean Payton discussed what unfolded yesterday at the Superdome, giving credit to the opponent and talking about a lot of the stuff the Saints did really bad. Tip your hat to Atlanta. I thought um, they played better than us today. Um, told our players, you know, you can focus more on the result of that game. And as a coach, our jobs are to focus more on what caused the result. And I, I, we're not doing, we didn't do enough things well today. Um, that always bothers you as the coach because you're, you're wanting to see your performance be more consistent, better, but uh, too many penalties, too many long yardage situations. We put ourselves behind the behind the eight ball a number of times on offense in the first half. You know, we finally put together a few drives at the end of the game. Um, you know, we we didn't do the things that winning teams do consistently uh, in our league, and we've got to get that. Cr- Correct. We got to do a better job coaching. It starts with me uh, being more consistent. Some areas, our third down numbers now, two, three weeks in a row, have been just average at best, and uh, and we kind of go from there. But it, you know, it is what it is. Questions? We'll hear some more from Sean Payton later in the show. Trevor Simeon, Teron Armstead, Malcolm Jenkins as well. We're going to talk some college football. High school football playoffs are set. We're going to have open phone lines in a little bit. 337-269-1077. But first, Louisiana. They won last Thursday, and they are still ranked in the AP Top 25. They stay put at number 24. Coach Napier doesn't seem to be worried about that right now. He's just worried about the next game on the schedule. Louisiana Raging Cajun head football coach Billy Napier, who joins me Mondays. What's today? Oh, that's right. It's Monday. He joins me next. We're going to chat with him about the upcoming matchup last week. And, um, you know, man of routine. Is he thrown off by a little bit by daylight savings? Or am I just putting way too much into this? Probably the latter as always. Don't go anywhere. Coach Nip, you're then your phone calls and much more. It's all coming your way. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. What up, guys? I'm here to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook that's coming to Louisiana. I'm not talking about the fantasy aspect of DraftKings, which is awesome. I'm talking about the actual sportsbook because it won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home and to celebrate... 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook giving $100 in free bets just for signing up today. No deposit required. It's bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. In the meantime, while they're preparing to launch the DraftKings Sportsbook in Louisiana, you can play right now for huge cash prizes with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. Because when you do, $100 in free bets to use on mobile sports betting in Louisiana as soon as it hits. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one 877 stop Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Back to throw. Levi's pass caught, and that is going to be touchdown, Louisiana. Looking Peter LeBlanc with the touchdown, and the Cajuns are finally on the board. Yeah, looking for laundry, and there is none this time. Nice throw out of there, and, and, and Bird, they did a good job spreading it. Had to back in the flat, which opened up the curl by Peter and a good, accurate throw. Well, Welcome back to the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Joining me now, the head coach of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier. Good morning, Coach. How are you this morning? I'm good, Scott. I appreciate you having me on, man. Always fun talking to you, Coach. And um, Western Division champs, you win a close one last week. In the last three seasons, uh, or since 2019, two-plus seasons, you know, uh, the last two and what we've done thus far, you've had 10 games decided by four points or less, and Louisiana has won nine of those tens. Uh, Nine of ten, that's not a coincidence. Why is your team able to consistently win the close one? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I um, I think it all adds up. You know, I'd like to think, um, you know, we work extremely hard around here. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of our staff. Um, certainly isn't easy, you know, relative to uh, the amount of work that we put in, the level of detail that we put in um, the entire year, much less the in-season approach. So I think our staff does a fantastic job um, trying to, put the players in position to have success, right? It's a big, it's very important to me and to our staff that we can watch the film um, the day after the game and feel like that we gave our players an advantage or we at least gave them a fair uh, shake at it. Um, Certainly, the players have a lot to do with it. You know, I think the intangibles that we try to work hard hard and develop throughout the offseason uh, the mental toughness, the poise, the football IQ, uh, the togetherness um, and chemistry that I think matters uh, when you get into those clutch moments. So you got to trust the people around you and you got to trust the plan. 
Uh, and I think that you know, we've been fortunate to do that. Um, and I think I think it's a compliment to our staff and players. Right. So it's it's never just one thing, right? It's a compilation of sort of the process and your belief that all those things coming together is what makes the difference in whether it be a single player, whether it be a close game or, you know, just winning overall, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think um, you would like to um, think that, you, you know, you, you've got good systems in place. You know, we certainly have improved. I mean, I can't say enough. Uh, having been here now in year four, uh, the amount of good people that we've had come through here that have helped us kind of refine how we do things. And then certainly to have a, a veteran group of players, you know, I think really matters. So um, we've made a bunch of mistakes too now, right? So I think one of the keys here is that regardless of the outcome of the game, it's important that we take a good look in the mirror, really, you know, evaluate, um, you know, things independent of the outcome, right? And learn the lessons, even though you may have won the game, there's lots of things each week that you need to learn and try to adjust and fix. And so you don't make those mistakes again, right? And I think that's uh, one of the things that we work hard at and certainly would like to think that it's paid off some. Looking at the tape, what was the biggest, I guess, mistake or mistakes that stood out to you where you feel like we got to improve on this if we're going to, win this Saturday at Troy and, and beyond? Well, you know, we're we're negative in the turnover margin, you know, and I think that's why the game was close, right? I mean, we didn't get any takeaways, and we had one turnover. If you count the two fourth down stops, which we do, um, you know, you're minus three in the turnover margin. And, and really, uh, you combine that with a, uh, probably a few too many negative plays, uh, playing behind the sticks in particular in the first half. Um, you know, in the kicking game, I thought we did a nice job. We got a punt return call back, but we still were – the hidden yardage was around 50 or so. Um, so I think this really – it's about the turnover margin uh, and playing behind the sticks a little bit in the first half. Outside of that, I thought our defense uh, – they gave us a few things here and there, but, um, you know, I thought we did a nice job of adjusting. Uh, on both sides of the ball and played a good second half outside of the turnover. Um, a lot of it has to do with Georgia State. Anybody that was in that stadium the other night can tell you that they've got really good personnel. They played very hard in the game. They're a tough, physical, fundamentally sound team. Uh, and you got to give Sean some credit, man. I have a lot of respect for him and how his teams play. Louisiana head coach Billy Napier, our guest. You mentioned the two fourth downs, coach. You go for it uh, inside the opponent's 10 on two occasions. You don't get it. Later in the game, late in the third, uh, fourth and maybe four, I think, from the 13, you do get it. It was the Peter LeBlanc touchdown call we played coming into it. Um, you've you've gone for it on fourth down a lot, depending on the situation, down and distance, et cetera. Uh, reg- you know, with the first two not not going in the Cajuns' favor. It seemed like you didn't even hesitate that third time. You were going forward again. Do you just believe in a certain philosophy that, all right, look, the statistics are this, the feel of the game is this. Yeah, we didn't get them earlier, but we're going to get it here. Like, did did not converting on the fourth two have any impact on your decision the third time? 
Well, I mean, as a result of that, we're down 10 to nothing. So, I mean, there's I guess no so. question. That's a good that. way to put it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but so, yeah. I mean, I, each, one of, each one of these decisions is independent of each other, right? It's all relative to the score. Um, you know, the D&D, the field zone, um, you know, the percentages, um, success, you know, in that situation relative to uh, maybe the percentages of success for your field goal kicker. I mean, so I think all of it adds up, and um, we certainly got conviction about it. It's, it's uh, served us well, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think we'll continue to, you know, be very calculated about how we do it. I mean, we don't do it unless the numbers are for it. So, um, you know, at that point in time, there was no question. The, the play – uh, prior to it was really the biggest play, you know, the third and 18, you know, to get it to fourth and four where you could go for it, right? So um, we had to come back outside to um, leave out through it to Peter there and got it to manageable. And then there's no question at that point in time that a touchdown is going to do a lot more for you than a, um, you know, field goal. So a great execution on the play, you know, really good. Uh, progression by Levi, you know, working his way through it. I mean, really good routes on the play side there. Montreal Johnson ran a nice arrow route, good protection, good accurate throw. Peter did a nice job of looking the ball in, puncturing the defense, and actually scored. So huge momentum play uh, and certainly got us within reach there. A touchdown would give us the lead. So uh, no-brainer on our end. Coach Billy Napier, our guest. So, when it comes to, you mentioned the numbers, the statistics, when it comes to analytics, how much, I know I know you guys follow it very closely, how much of it is weighed specifically just on the numbers versus feel for the game, right, if that question makes sense? Because you can have the analytics and they all point to one thing, but there's something about being in a game, and in your case, the head coach and the play caller, that you're never going to sort of see on paper, right, unless you're actually there. Do you call it a gut feeling, call it emotions, whatever you want to describe as sort of feel for the game, how much of that plays into decisions versus just strictly the analytics and the numbers when it comes to, say, deciding if you're going to go for it on fourth down? I mean, I think, you know, there's been times where we didn't – you know, go exactly by the book since we started this process. I mean, but I, I do, it's not like we just make these decisions on game day. You know, I mean, I think it's important for us to understand that the amount of time and effort and research that goes into off-season projects, you know, overall philosophy, we study situations um, the entire off-season and certainly within the week, uh, every week, um, you know, it's an overall strategy relative to playing winning football. It's it's not, uh, you know, just an emotional decision, right? These are calculated, well-researched, well-thought-out decisions. So um, I think that that quote-unquote description you're describing as feel for the game, well, what better feel for the game than knowing exactly what to do, you know? So um, I think you got to have conviction about it and, um you know, it'd be one thing if you were just flipping a coin, right? But we're basing these decisions off of a lot of time, effort, and uh, research. So uh, it's just it's just part of modern day football. And um, 
you know, it's been it's made us better. I can tell you that much, and uh, certainly it's allowed us to uh, make good in-game adjustments and decisions and position our team to have success. Louisiana Rage Cajun head coach Billy Napier, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. In a UL offense, in a Billy Napier offense, you've said, Coach, that, look, any week the ball can go your way, depending on the game plan, how the game unfolds, opponent's defense, where you are in terms of options on a play, etc. The ball went to Peter LeBlanc a lot last Thursday. Nine catches, 118 yards a score from the start of the game to the end. He was such a big factor. Is this as healthy as he's been since his freshman year? He really he really just was so big last Thursday. And, um, you know, without him, who knows how that game unfolds, but it, it might not be the same for the Cajuns. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, last year in particular, Pete was a little banged up. Um, and we worked hard in the offseason really – um, trying to get him healthy, you know, kind of started over, reevaluated a lot of things there um, throughout the off season, throughout training camp. Um, you know, even some things, specific things that we do for him on game day to try to help him, and and it's it's worked. Tony Hill, our head athletic trainer, you know, in his first year has really done a nice job with Peter, kind of working specifically with him about his individual situation and. You know, Pete is healthy, and when he is, he, he is a dynamic player. So the consistency, um, you know, that he plays with, right, his intelligence, his character, uh, and the guy can go. I mean, he's six two and a quarter. Uh, he can really run. Uh, former, you know, jumper and hurdler in high school, um, baseball player. Um, you know, just a fantastic player who played in the wing tee, was a wing back, and had no experience playing receiver prior to showing up at UL. So I think Tim Leger's done a nice job developing him. Uh, I think he's a product of his work, and certainly when, you know, he is healthy, he is one of our best players. Coach Napier, our guest, I, I talked to Johnny Lumpkin last week and um, asked him about, you know, the short week in terms of, the impact on the body. He's like, yeah, you, you might spend, you know, you might be a little more sore, but you get ready for it. You prepare for it. Uh, you're talking about Peter's health just a minute ago. How did you guys come out of last Thursday from a health standpoint? And how hard is it on the body with, with a game of that's, uh, that's, you know, on shorter rest than a standard week? You know, I think, um, you know, I think there is something to be said for, um, you know, from a physicality standpoint, turning around and, and having to get ready to turn it all the way back up to 10, um, especially um, the type of team that you're playing, right? I think that's part of that. Uh, who you're playing, the brand of football that they play. Uh, and that game the other night was a very physical game on both sides of the ball, line of scrimmage on the edges, uh, in the kicking game, the cover units. Um, so, I think that probably has more to do it, do with it than maybe uh, the five-day turnaround. So, you know, our team um, needed a break. You know, we played, uh, we played, we've been on a little stretch here. Certainly, to play back to back here five days apart. You know, I think overall we we had some guys that were banged up uh, going into the game uh, that played banged up and certainly did a great job and showed a lot of toughness. 
um, you know, dealing with some nagging injuries and those types of things. So, you know, we ran and lifted them, put the game to bed on Friday. We gave them two days off, uh, and then we'll kind of turn it back up today, you know, and get into our ISD format this week. So in our mind, today will be a Tuesday uh, practice in full pads. Uh, we are moving into Tier 3, which is the final third of the season. Uh, so we'll change the structure of our practice from this point forward. But overall, I think the uh, benefit of having a couple of days off is going to be good for our football team. And are you happy to just have Saturday games left at this point, just from a, a routine and scheduling standpoint? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really good. I think this week will be a little bit different because of having a couple of days off. But you know for Liberty, for ULM, for the championship game, I think just really zeroing in on what, um, you know, that week looks like for the staff and the players, some consistency there, uh, taking the same approach in terms of how to prepare the, the team and the staff uh, Sunday to Saturday. I think that will help us. Um, and we'll certainly put that on paper and map that out starting next week for sure. Traveling to Troy this Saturday, Coach. Uh, Troy's, you know, they've they've had some um, close games this year against teams like a South Carolina or a Liberty. You know, they've they've won some good games uh, in conference play. They're coming off a win against South Alabama. What uh, what do they bring to the table? And just kind of an early preview of what you're expecting this Saturday at Veterans Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I think um, I think Troy's another uh, very dangerous team, and I really do. I think they, um, I think they've got um, really good defense, one of the top defenses in our league. You know, really uh, good depth uh, on the front, on the edges, inside backer, outside backer, the D line, the secondary um, has done a nice job of creating takeaways. They got quite a few interceptions. They got overall really good team speed. Uh, they're physical. I think they tackle well, and they're really unique in how they play defense from a structure standpoint. So it's going to be a challenge uh, on that side of the ball. Um, anytime you play Troy, uh, you can expect them to have a good quarterback and they have a lot of good skilled players around them. Uh, I do think their offensive line is playing better. Um, and, you know, in the kicking game, they've got really good specialists. Uh, so you got to go to their place uh, at 2.30. They've got a little bit of momentum here, uh, having one Saturday uh, in the in-state rivalry game. Uh, and like you mentioned before, uh, toe-to-toe with some of the better teams uh, that they played this year, although they haven't won the game, they have been very competitive. So uh, the personnel is there, and certainly um, – you know, it's going to be a challenge for us. We've got a lot to play for, certainly home field advantage at stake. Uh, and this is our next opportunity in conference play. Did you uh, did you get a chance to watch a little football this weekend, or was it, was it mainly dad duties with the extra time? Yeah, a little bit of both. You know, a little bit of both. Um, but, yeah, did get a chance to watch some ball. Uh, but... It was, a, it was a good day. It was a great day, certainly one that uh, was much needed. I'm sure uh, the kids were happy to play with Dad over the weekend. Did um, when, when you were younger growing up, I know I've asked you a lot of questions about your dad being a coach and you playing football. Did you play other sports when you were younger, Coach? Yeah, I played about every sport. What was your, uh, what was your, best, what was your best sport aside from football? 
Well, I don't think I was very good at any of them, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I played baseball. I played basketball. I played golf. I ran track. Um, you know, and I played football. You know, so uh, I did, you know, I was always playing something for sure. So, but I, I love basketball. Um, love playing golf. Um, and then certainly baseball, I kind of put that away, you know, in high school. Uh, and then track was just kind of one of those things you did for football. But, you know, b- base, basketball and golf were a lot of fun, for sure. So if you lined up all the coaches currently on your staff, like mm-hmm. who's who's, who's mm-hmm. winning the foot race? And I know it's not Dr. Wingerder. I mean, maybe back in the day. We know he's he's lagging behind. But who's winning yeah. the foot well, race? Well, Mike, Mike Desimo. You know, pretty it. well documented around here what kind of athlete he is. So I think he'd probably get drafted first. I just, I would love to see you guys do like a little seven on seven. And, you know, you got uh, Billy on one side playing quarterback, Mike on the other, and just just seeing, you know, seeing, seeing who gets hurt first. Because, uh, I mean, I, I'm making jokes about <laughs> Dr. Wingerder, but he's still in great shape. I mean, the man can run marathons, so he'll 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 go for miles and miles. I don't know who's I don't know who's pulling a hammy first, but I wouldn't bet on I wouldn't bet on Wingerder. We got a lot of uh, got a lot of former players on the staff, man. We got a lot of guys limping around the office too. So, <laughs> uh, but there is some pickup basketball around here, you know, in the off season. I have to say I haven't taken taken part, but uh, they say it gets pretty brutal down there from what I hear. Yeah, I imagine it's uh, pretty competitive. Coach Billy Napier has been our guest. Louisiana taking on Troy this Saturday on the road, two thirty kickoff. We'll uh, we'll have pregame for you on the air beginning at twelve thirty from Learfield, right here on ESPN Lafayette one hundred three three on the FM fourteen twenty on the AM and streaming worldwide on the app. Coach, I always appreciate the time. Look forward to chatting with you next Monday. All the best, and good luck this Saturday. All right, Scott. Thanks for covering the Cajuns, man. I'll see you around. All right, take care. That is Louisiana Raging Cajun head football coach, Billy Napier. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. Phone lines are open. 269-1077, And why two losses this weekend on the football field by two different teams were worse than just your average loss for the fan bases. Why they were two losses that the fan bases, oh, I mean, it's like missing out on, you're doing a scratch off for a lotto ticket and you're one number off winning like 10 grand by investing a buck. I'll explain next right here on the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. My friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app.
Welcome back. TSPN Lafayette, the best team in sports. Great Scott show. I am Scott Prather. Phone lines are now open for you. 269-1077. That's 337-269-1077. Big thanks to Coach Billy Napier for coming on. Saturday games the rest of the way, with the exception of the bowl game, which could or could not be on a Saturday. Who knows? Probably would be a weekday, but... You got three regular season games left, and then you got the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, which you'd love to have at Cajun Field. Just keep winning. Make sure that happens. So <clears throat> we'll get to the phone lines in a second. I'll just quickly say this. The, wor- the worst part, honestly, of the Saints losing yesterday, and there was a lot of bad. It wasn't all of the drops. It wasn't, oh, God. It wasn't the deep 64-yard play from Matt Ryan to Cordero Patterson. It was the fact that the Saints were getting their, their, their butt kicked for 50 minutes of football time. And then suddenly down 24 to 6, came back to take a lead against Atlanta The part that hurts the most is that even though the Saints really, the way they were playing, didn't deserve to win, could have handed the Falcons one of those losses that Saints fans could have rubbed in Falcons' faces forever. Forever. For a rivalry game like that, to have them blow a lead and the Saints suddenly come alive after they were about to flatline, Forever. And instead, their defense last week, which stops Tom Brady, somehow can't stop Matt Ryan from making a... That's what was lost. It wasn't just a game. It was years and years of reminding the rivals, hey, remember that? (laughs) And that was lost yesterday. For LSU fans, I mean, to lose to Alabama, you weren't expecting to win, but can you imagine if they had beaten Bama, ruining their chances of winning another national championship, knocking them out of the college football playoff talk, and Ed Ogeron whenever he was. The seat's not hot anymore. The seat's gone. He's gone as soon as the season's over. He's got another three weeks left, and then suddenly, oh, wait, no, you're done. And on his way out, he wins a game in Tuscaloosa. It's one of those ones again that LSU fans could held over Alabama fans forever. So for those games, it's not just how they lost it's somewhat who they lost to, but but in terms of how the games unfolded. In the case of LSU-Alabama, it was more of how the seasons have unfolded. In the case of the Saints and the Falcons, it absolutely was how the game was unfolding. Mm. All right, 269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette. What's up? Hey, good morning, Scott. What's happening? Uh, so, was... Was the game, from your point of view, I know you were in the stands on Sunday, as it was from mine, which I was in front of a TV, uh, and, 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 and I heard you say, you know, they got their butts whipped for like 50 minutes at a game, but... They were kind like, of kick, watch- kicking their own butt. I mean, you know, some of it was self-inflicted, uh, to be clear, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they just... I, I, maybe, maybe, but I'll just say getting outplayed, and sometimes getting outplayed is because the other team isn't making as many mistakes as you. 
Right, right. Uh, you know, they they pretty much held Atlanta to three points in the first half until that last drive where they got the touchdown right before halftime. That was kind of like a dagger. And I think a lot of those those self-inflicted wounds in terms of penalties on the defensive end is kind of what helped that drive along. Uh, you know, also, you know, just and, – and, and I hear a lot of people ragging on, on the wide receivers and about the drops, which – which the drop the drop by by Adam Troutman was was a was blatant you know it should it should have been caught uh, there was another drop by Callaway that hit his hands it was kind of just a little bit you know can you kind of had to reach running across the field for that ball uh, I, I thought some of Simeon's balls you know they hit receivers in the hands but at the same time I I felt like maybe the ball could have been placed a little bit better. Or, or maybe he fitted into too tight of a window. Those two drops by Kenny Stills, that, that's right in between. Like he was sandwiched in between the corner and the safety. And, and yeah, we see we see NFL wide receivers make those catches, those spectacular catches. But 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 not I, the, I, not, I not, the Sa- not the Saints receivers, not the Saints <laughs> receivers. Look, Simeon Simeon was fine. I think he did what he needed to do for the Saints to win. That's that's what he is. He's not going to be. He's not an All Pro. I mean, he 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 got the ball there. I mean, Troutman was the worst defender. Whether it be the fourth down drop, the crossing route on second eleven, where the ball just you know just hits him in the hands, falls to the turf. Kenny Stills, you know, the left sideline, it 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 fell right through his hands, Uh, and that was on the next play. You know, if if you stills dropped another one on the left sideline when he got hit by the safety, you know, yes, it, you're right. It would have been challenging, but the, those are the plays where if you make them, the game's different. And they 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 dropped the ball literally and metaphorically way too many times yesterday. Um, you know, Deontay Harris was the team's best receiver as he has been all season, but as a group, they they have not been good and consistent. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is if those guys are are going to be dropping balls like that and um it's unfortunate but they you know the idea that they're you know we like who we have and we're good at receiver they're not they're not it's it's hard to overcome that and if they would have been just a smidge better yesterday just a little bit better they would have won they they you know what and and they showed you those glimpses in in the fourth quarter where where they started making those catches and it's like okay yeah, they, once they terrible. went to the hurry up, so like you know the the on on not the on two of the last three scoring drives because Saints get a touchdown on their last three possessions. The first two they went in the hurry up and it worked great. Um, you know Simeon was comfortable. The receivers weren't dropping the ball. Uh, and then on the last scoring drive, they the clock was is in their favor, so they slowed it down a little bit. But it was almost like now. The confidence was there, right? They weren't, I don't know, they were just, they were flowing, and then they scored too quickly, and then, unfortunately. And, and you know what? I was I was sitting down watching the game with a friend of mine, and, and, and we get, and, and it seems like all this season, the Saints have been getting first and goal on the 10-yard line, and it's been driving me crazy because, they actually got first and it wasn't first and goal. It was first and ten from the ten and a half. Yeah, so they could have got a first down. Oh, and if, I was if, like, if, okay. still, if Stills hadn't have reached the ball out, it would have been first and goal at like the half yard line. You're right. 
Wow. And 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 I didn't think about that. But but on first down, I was like, okay, here 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 we run the ball. Eat some clock. I thought maybe on second down, maybe we should have ran the ball because we were gonna go for it on fourth down anyway. So you got two plays. And so he went for the end zone on second down and they got the touchdown. Where which if you at least have a safe play or run the ball on second down, you still have two plays. You either force Atlanta to call a timeout, which would probably would have happened. It would have left them with one. Either way. You I know, mean, you, you can you can nitpick a lot of small plays in this game, but you know, the Saints were bad for fifty minutes yesterday. Uh, outside of the run true. defense and outside of a player here or there. Um true, true, just, true. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to the end of the game and you have a chance to either uh, uh, play calling, the game decisions, even, even not just on offense but on defense as well. You have to convert those situations. It's all about game situations, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it does matter in the in the grand scheme of things. The first the first fifty five minutes of the game, but in the in the last five minutes, if you have opportunity to make those plays on those, those crucial decisions. You got to make them count. Just and that's win. just my spill for the day. So I'm going to hang up and listen. You have a good one, Scott. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. We got uh, just about a minute or two before our uh, last break of this hour. Welcome into the show. Go ahead. Yes, hey, Scott. I was listening to you all earlier, even with Coach Napier. Well, that's, what's, that's why I like football so much. I'm glad I was introduced to football as a young kid. Football teaches you that it uh, it doesn't always work out like you think it's going to work out, kind of like the game of life. With that said, no matter how much we all say that things should go a certain way from an offensive perspective and scoring points, we have to all remember there's a defense on the other side of that ball, yeah. and their job is to prevent you mm. from doing the things that you that we all I think, think yeah i think we all realize what a defense's job is so yeah, I think defensive we know that. players they got a job to do yeah and that is to stop it interrupt it prevent it with that said lsu lsu situation it is what it is i was happy to see the kids lay it out there on the line they had so many opportunities to win the ball game it didn't happen but i'm excited about it and i'm happy for the kids high school football Let's talk about that sometime. Why can't they? Why didn't they have this all started out with the playoff brackets and everything? They got our kids hanging by a string. Those kids and coaches are ready to get going, and LHSA not ready. Can we talk about that too? Thank you. Bye bye. We can hit on that a little bit next hour. And yeah, I think I think everyone listening knows you know the purpose of. Uh, of the defense. But yeah, the bracket release coming out, what, 11 a.m. today? They had to delay the release of the brackets. Apparently an emergency appeal took place um, yesterday morning. So pushed it back a day. High schools, they have a opportunity, if they wish, to file a dispute in, in terms of seating and according to a release by the LHSAA, the appeal is in the Class 3A bracket and affects apparently all the brackets somehow. That's all I got. So, yeah, they're going to have to wait until 11 a.m. this morning and then 
Dragons will be set and get things going. Well, before they crown, you know, 18,000 state champions. All right, I'm exaggerating a little. Nine state champions. I just, I, I hate the pose. I hate the split. I just hate it. I just hate it. I like that Division Two and Four championships will be held at Cajun Field. That's cool, but call me old-fashioned. I liked it better when it was just one, two, three, four, five a in the postseason. Yeah, an appeal pushed the thing back, and I guess I, I'm guessing the LHSA was not expecting the appeal because they certainly weren't prepared for it if they had to push the bracket all the way back to uh, 11 a.m. this morning. Lines lit up. We will take more phone calls next hour. Revisit what unfolded yesterday at the Caesars Superdome. My son's first ever Saints game in person. That was uh, that was different for me. Dig into that. Are the Mannings cursed? No. Are the Mannings cursing someone every single week? Yes. I'll explain. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues next hour on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code LA Sports when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LA Sports to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1 877 770 STOP 7867 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code 1420 when you sign up. And those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code 1420 to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Must be 21 or older. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! 
The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Everybody, welcome into the eight o'clock hour. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. Phone lines are open 269-1077-337-269-1077. We talked good bit of Saints Falcons. We visited with Louisiana Raging Cajun head coach Billy Napier little bit of LSU BAM as well, and on high school football, delaying the release of their brackets until this morning. A Manning curse before we dig back into the Saints. A Manning curse. Some of you really are digging this Manning cast that they're having on, on some Monday night football games. And... I, I'll be honest, I haven't sat down and like watched it from start to finish, but I don't need to, I feel like, because every week I see all the best highlights of it immediately popping up on social media as soon as something funny or memorable happens. But, you know, they're funny. They break down the game. They bring on a lot of star guests. Of course it's going to do good, especially in a Monday night game that maybe isn't that fun, not a matchup you really, really want to watch. Are they going to be able to keep generating, like, great guests that are currently NFL players? It's one thing if you get a former player, but current star NFL players? Here's what's happened on the Manning cast week to week. They had Travis Kelsey on in week one. The next week, the Chiefs lost. They had Russell Wilson on in week two. The next week, the Seahawks lost. They had... Rob Gronkowski on, and I'm sorry, they had, I'm sorry, they had Kelsey and Russell Wilson both on in week one. The next week, they both lost. They had Gronk on in week two. The next week, the Bucks lost. They had Stafford on in week three. The next week, they lost. They had Tom Brady on in week seven. The next week, they lost to the Saints. They had Josh, Josh Allen on last week, and you were thinking, okay, I mean, certainly, that curse isn't going to continue. I mean, come on. It's the Bills, and they're playing, they're playing the Jaguars. There's no way. There's no way. Nine to six. Ugh. The Bills lose to the Jags, who's the defensive Josh Allen, who plays for the Jags, sacked and intercepted quarterback Josh Allen. The Josh Allen show. Most shocking score yesterday in the NFL. And there were a lot of them. But what did we learn this weekend? Tell you what we learned in college football. Something that we probably already knew. We just didn't want to maybe fully admit it. Doubt every single team except Georgia. Because when it comes to the college football playoff, all those teams at the top have a flaw. I mean, let's be honest. We're we're talking LSU-Bama. LSU should have won that game. But the other reality of that is that Bama is completely 
overvalued by the college football playoff committee because they are Alabama and it's their name. I get it. But they're they're not they're not number two. Oh, Michigan State, they put themselves in the mix. Purdue comes out like world beaters and thumps them. You can doubt everybody. Someone has to be ranked two, three, and four. Georgia has just their defense is maybe I mean it's it's one maybe the best college defense I've ever seen. But who should be ranked two? Oregon? I mean, they did go in and beat Ohio State. But the Pac-12 is lackluster. The, the, the Ducks winning margin is 9.7. They have a minus four turnover margin over the last four ga- five games. They don't have a, a, a giant playmaker at receiver. They beat Washington by 10 points on the road in the rain, and that's okay with the committee, I guess. But I, they lost to Stanford. They barely beat Cal. They barely beat UCLA. They have flaws, the Buckeyes. I mean, they they got beat by Oregon. A lot of their wins have been close, not super impressive. Cincinnati, they're undefeated. They belong in the top four, but the college football playoff committee doesn't want to put them there, and they'll say, oh, well, you were shaky late against Tulsa. Well, so is everybody else. (laughs) So is everybody else that's ranked high, with the exception of Georgia. But Cincinnati, unfortunately, needs style points. And it seems like they've been surviving more than winning with style as of late. I mean, Alabama's struggling against LSU. Really should have lost to LSU. I don't care who you are. Nobody saw that game coming. If Mac Johnson was a little bit better, if he was a little more decisive, LSU would have won. Would have won. Nick Saban, it was a great win for our team. Hmm. Their offense lacks firepower. What did they run? They, they rush for six yards against LSU's defense. Six. Michigan State, oh, well, you could say it was a trap game, whatever. The Boilermakers, they boiled them over. Michigan is is consistently overrated every year. And the Sooners, you know, they their, their defense is atrocious. They're ranked 105th nationally. They give up 6.4 yards of play. They have eight sacks in conference play all season. Up and down. Outside of Georgia, you look up and down the college football playoff contenders and you can doubt all of them. Cincinnati deserves to be in the top four. Are they better than those other teams? I I don't know. They hadn't lost, unlike some of those other ones. Georgia and everybody else. You can email the show, Scott, at ESPN1420.com. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter, at ESPN Lafayette. Jeremiah emails. Scott, what are the chances the Saints get OBJ? I'm a little skeptical. 
On one hand, the Saints really need help at receiver. On the other, seems like OBJ could hurt the locker room. Help me make sense of all of this. Man, on, on, on a, first of all, Jeremiah, thank you for the email. On a Monday like this, I, uh, I, it's hard to make sense out of anything with the way the weekend unfolded in football. So I, with OBJ, they're usually extremes, okay? He is not the player he used to be. He's not. He's not bad. He would be an upgrade to what the Saints have at receiver, but this is not the all-pro from four and five years ago. It's simply not. He's, he's just He's not. He hasn't been. What about in the locker room? Well, is he a cancer in the locker room? That could that, That's probably overplayed uh, as well. But it shouldn't be overlooked either. It's not all everyone's out to get him. He's fine. He's a great teammate. These former teammates said he was. Well, some other former teammates said he wasn't. And when your parent releases a video on social media and rips the quarterback, that can create a bit of a schism. I mean, that, there are undeniable flags that come with it but if you're the saints and he clears waivers and i expect him to i think you have to try to do it don't mortgage your future or anything like that don't be stupid don't do some long-term thing but reports are that he wants to sign with either san francisco or new orleans and if you can get him, it's an at least for the rest of this season, it is an, it is an upgraded receiver, and you need help. And yeah, maybe it doesn't work out, and maybe he ends up being disruptive or whatever. Well, you're, you're five and three. The Saints, I said before the season, have the widest gap between their floor and their ceiling, and I still believe that. I also think their ceiling dropped just a little bit. Whenever Jameis Winston suffered a season-ending injury, and the consensus out there is that the Saints, well, they're not going to catch the Bucks. The Saints are going to, I think they're winning nine or ten games, which will likely get them the seven seed, maybe the six or five if you get up to ten. But they're going to be in the playoffs. I really feel like that. You can give Sean Payton a quarterback, and he can make it work. It wasn't like Trevor Simeon went out there yesterday and stunk it up. They just couldn't catch the ball in the first half, and the offensive penalties were maddening. So... I think you have to try to get OBJ. I don't I don't think it's going to be this giant jolt to the receiving core that some are making it out to be. Again, OBJ, it's just full of extreme takes one way or the other. The bottom line is, on the field, it would be an upgrade. Not as big as some think it would be, but outside of Deontay Harris, I mean, there's anything could be an upgrade now. Adam Troutman, Callaway, Harris... Alvin Kamara yesterday, Traquan Smith, Kenny Stills, they all drop passes that hit them in their hands. You got one or two drops in a game, okay, it happens. You have that many? You had as many drops and penalties on offense as you did receptions yesterday in the first half. That's why you scored zero. My son's sitting there looking around like, what's going on? I thought I thought there were like supposed to be points. Supposed to be more excitement. He kept saying, Dad, we're going to lose. We're going to lose. I'm like, don't say that. We're going to lose. And for a long time, that's certainly what it looked like. Then the Falcons started falconing it up. Saints start doing this crazy madness. 
and score all these points in 10 minutes, like nine minutes of game time, they score 19 points, missed two two-point conversions, which were base plays on one, trying to run one to, to, to Troutman. The pick doesn't work. And on the other, Garrett Griffin just whiffs on a block. They, they, Juwan Johnson was inactive yesterday. I guess they were planning on running a lot more, which that seemed to be the game plan early, which the Saints were doing. And if their receivers could hold on to the dang ball, they probably would have rushed for a lot more yards. No, no, not probably. They would have. I mean, they're reeling off run. They, they had a great drive going in the first half. They run five straight rushes all the way into field goal territory. And then, oh, we got a penalty. Oh, there's an incomplete pass. Oh, there's a sack. Oh, you're out of field goal range. Now you got to punt it. Man. Come on. Trevor Simeon was okay. But when you can't catch the ball, it's hard to be better than okay. If he keeps up the way he played yesterday, the quarterback will it, it'll it'll be okay. Doug emails. Scott will taste some hill start at quarterback next week. Seems like in the third quarter when they put him in at quarterback, the Saints move the ball. Uh Doug, no, he will not be the starting quarterback next week. I mean, Sean Payton didn't say one way or the other, but that's this. I'm just telling you, what you saw yesterday is what's moving forward. And no, they, they put him in for a normal package of plays. And he threw a couple of bullets. Traquan caught it. Deontay caught it. That thing was coming in hot. And then he was going to run the ball. And then, up, oh, ball start. And then the next play was the sack, scoop, and almost score for the Falcons defense. And then they got a touchdown pass to play after. And then from there on out, it was all Saints until Matt Ryan throws the sky ball to Patterson. But Simeon, look, the pocket, the pocket was relatively clean. Um, he was pressured a few times, but he was able to get out of it. He, he operated the game. He looked really good in the hurry up. But he's going to need a lot more help. He's he's an average quarterback. He's going to need a lot more help if they're going to make this thing work. But but I I no Doug Taysom Hill is going to do what Taysom Hill does, and and he's going to give them jolts, and he's going to be in a Swiss Army knife role, and that's what they're going to do, unless Simeon gets hurt, and then it will just be completely the Taysom show. One of the one of the things that is kind of getting lost in the sauce from yesterday's loss as well. C.J. Gardner-Johnson got carted off yesterday. No word yet on what happened to him, but talking about an emotional leader, talking about a guy who was around the ball, talking about a guy who makes game-changing plays, that, that would be a big loss if it's something serious. And bringing out the cart, eh, not great. You know what else wasn't great? The Saints pass rush. Been good at times this season. They blitzed 11 times yesterday and got pressures on five of those, one sack. But they, Matt Ryan, he, you know, for the first 50 minutes and for his sky throw to Patterson, he wasn't really impacted much. David Onyemata was disruptive, but the pass rush wasn't there yesterday against the Falcons team that they've got tons of sacks again. I mean, Cam Jordan got another sack against Matt Ryan 
He's got more sacks against Matt Ryan than any player has against any quarterback in NFL history. But it doesn't really matter right now because they couldn't get to him at all. ESPN Lafayette. 269-1077. Jacques emails. Scott, here you talking about the Saints. What can you tell me about the Cajuns? Are they going to be ranked this week? Missed the interview with Billy Napier. Looking forward to hearing it on demand later. Thank you, Jacques. Yeah, every every show. Most shows, most interviews are up via the Great Scott Show podcast. Thanks for listening there, Jacques. You guys can hear it. iTunes, Google Play, whenever, wherever you normally get your podcasts. Uh, Cajuns are ranked, still ranked 24th in the AP, not ranked in the coaches' poll. That's where they're at there. When we come back, Sean Payton. There were a lot of things he said, a lot of little things. We didn't do right. You can't focus on the result. You got to focus on what got you the result. Hear what he had to say. Hear why Trevor Simeon was not happy after the game yesterday for obvious reasons. Post-game sound coming your way next right here. It's the great Scott show on ESPN Lafayette. Hope everybody is having a nice drive to work this morning your body clock's a little off right daylight savings time everything seemed off yesterday in the nfl we'll go over some of the more shocking final scores there were a lot of them underdogs were barking this weekend in football both betting wise and straight up don't go anywhere we're right back right after this What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM, 14.20 on the AM. And streaming worldwide via the app. If you are listening to us via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. 11 a.m. this morning, we will learn the high school football playoff brackets. Apparently, an emergency appeal took place. This morning, after a school in 3A appealed the seedings, and that pushed the uh, release from yesterday to today. It originally said to be released yesterday morning at 11 a.m. But high schools had between midnight and 11 a.m. or 8 a.m., I guess, yesterday to file a dispute, and apparently someone did. 
That's the latest on that one. If you're wondering why we haven't got the brackets yet. Sean, Sean Payton, we like what we have at receiver. Man, stop lying. And if you're not lying, you're not telling the full full truth. You might like one or two. You don't like everything you have at receiver. You don't. But yesterday in postgame, he was also talking about, hey, it wasn't just receivers, still kind of sticking up for them, believing in them. They need help there. Sean Payton, yesterday, following a disappointing 27-25 loss that Saints fans would have been able to, they just just held on 25-24. You could have held that over Falcons fans forever. It would have been that kind of comeback, that kind of collapse by Atlanta. But it was lost. The head coach, after the game, his thoughts. On the loss, what went wrong? Tip your hat to Atlanta. I thought um, they played better than us today. Um, I told our players, you know, you can focus more on the result of that game. And as a coach, our jobs are to focus more on what caused the result. And I, I, we're not doing, we didn't do enough things well today. Um, that always bothers you as the coach because you're, you're wanting to see your performance be more consistent, better. But uh, too many penalties, too many long yardage situations. We put ourselves behind the, behind the eight ball a number of times on offense in the first half. You know, we finally put together a few drives at the end of the game. Um, you know, we, we didn't do the things that winning teams do consistently uh, in our league, and we've got to get that cor- corrected. We've got to do a better job coaching. It starts with me uh, being more consistent. Some areas, our third down numbers now, two, three weeks in a row have been just average at best, and, uh, and we kind of go from there. But, it, you know, it is what it is. Questions? Go ahead, Quicker transition, like well, we we sped up the tempo in the fourth quarter. Not in the, I mean, yeah. So there was a point at which we were down more than two scores. Quickly, we got into a two-minute mode. Um, fortunately, we were able to score, and we kind of stayed with that the next drive. And then once the Time was in our favor. Then we we kind of went back to a little bit more traditional approach on the on the final drive where we scored. So yeah, that happened. Uh, I'm going to say probably no third to last drive, fourth to last drive in the game. Well, you're looking at the scoreboard and saying you, you can't just meander along here, you know, and and run handoffs and huddle up. I mean, we, we needed uh, we needed to get get moving a little bit. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, typically you take a knee there. They took a knee on the next play, so yeah. And we, we got it punched out. I don't know who did, you know, and um, it's hard to see. But, yeah, the, you're when it's that close, you know, you've seen us in that position before. 
run the clock down, kick the field goal with no with no time left. So, um, yeah, and he was smart enough where he was going to not score. There's head coach Sean Payton. We'll have some more post game sound for you coming up from uh, Trevor Simeon. In the meantime, phone lines open three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Emails hit me up Scott at ESPN fourteen twenty dot com or tweet the show at ESPN Lafayette. That is the handle now on Twitter. David emails. Scott, tell me some good news. The Saints need Odell Beckham Jr. Will it happen? Uh, He's going to get waived today by Cleveland. Teams have until tomorrow to place a claim. If he clears waivers, then it would be 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Uh, That is when he would officially be able to sign with a new team. Nothing's going to happen today as far as Odell and, and other other than lots of speculation. And I talked about this last hour, right? The idea that Odell uh, is not worth it because of what he could potentially do to the locker room. Well, the Saints have a strong locker room. That, that much I do know. They didn't for a short stretch when Brandon Browner and Junior Gallette were voted team captains. But outside of that, they've had a pretty stable, strong locker room. Certainly they have as of late the last several years. And Beckham, you know, I, is he as big a, quote, diva as the word folks love to use as, as, as he's made out to be? Or is, it, is he just a great teammate? Eh, come on. It's sports. It's 24-7 sports talk and debate. And as a result, a lot of the things surrounding Odell is somewhat hyperbolic. And I think in this terms, in terms of his current play, it's extremes. Oh, he's terrible now. Or he's still this great player. He just needs to go to the right team. He's not as good as he was four years ago, five years ago, but he's an instant upgrade to whatever the Saints have at receiver. He's not as good as a healthy Michael Thomas would be in the Saints offense, but he would be an instant upgrade over what the Saints are working with. Drew Brees could make average receivers look good. Trevor Simeon cannot. And Drew Brees did play with some average receivers. He also played with some really, really good ones. Beckham, according to reports, wants to go to a playoff team and a winning environment. Saints have won four straight NFC South titles. They're in the mix for a playoff spot. They have winning culture, something that Beckham really hasn't been around much in his pro career. His rookie year with the Giants... They were 11-5. and five. They haven't had a winning record since then. They were 3-13 and 13 the next year. They were 5-11 and 11 the next year. He goes to Cleveland. They're 6-10. and 10. They won a playoff game last year, but he missed it all because he was injured. Yeah. Odell was pouted at times. He wants the ball. Well, he'd get the ball in this Saints offense because look at what they got a receiver. Do you overpay? No. You don't mortgage anything long-term. But if he reportedly wants to go to either San Francisco or New Orleans per Rappaport, then when as soon as waivers are claimed, you start pitching them on, hey, here's why you need to come here. Because if you come here and you produce and the Saints get in the playoffs, guess what? Get a nice contract next year. You don't have to say who it would be from because it might not be from the Saints. Jeremy Shockey. Went to the Saints. Oh, you can't you can't bring Shockey here. He's a cancer. Well, the Saints won a Super Bowl with him. And Shockey, 
you know, is a big personality, was loud in the locker room. The locker room could handle it. Michael Thomas, he currently on the Saints. It'd be tough to deal with at times in the locker room. Well, they were 13 and 3 in 2018. They can handle it. And they need it. And Trevor Simeon needs it. Trevor started for the first time in over 800 days yesterday, but he wasn't happy after the game. Yeah, I just felt like we were one play away numerous times of, of getting it right in the first half, and unfortunately we didn't get it get it done, um, especially early. Uh, plenty of opportunities, um, and it seemed like every time we had something going, something came up the other way, so we'll get it, we'll get it fixed. Not really. I mean, you're just, you know, you're worrying about the next play. And I told, you know, told the guys I'm keep keep coming at them. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, just, you know, first half, we got to be better. Yeah, obviously the urgency picked up. We went, you know, had to get back a couple scores quickly. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we got it going. But, again, too little, too late. Can't, can't spot a team that many scores. And, uh, expect to win. Felt okay, you know. Certainly, some plays I want back wasn't perfect. Uh, just kind of anxious to get in, into the game. You know, you get the first first drive, second drive, and then you feel like you're in a football game again. And um, that part was good. Just wish we could have done a little more in the first half. Um, but yeah, felt good. It was good to compete. Is it a battle to not get frustrated for yourself? I mean, are you naturally calm in that situation? Or do you find yourself, it, 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 are you like fighting the frustration as you're having drop passes or penalties or whatever? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, it's frustrating for all of us. It's not me, but it's just, you know, you're, you're worried about the next play and it's, you know, we got to get it fixed. And um, the urgency certainly rises, but you do what, what it takes to get it right. Um, so just you know, yelling or doing whatever, or getting worried—that doesn't really help the cause, right? You're uh, just focused on the next play and getting it right. And um, we got good players, so guys are going to make plays. Um, we just got to give them opportunities. Yeah, I just told Teron. I, I thought I was probably too deep. I got to I got to look at it, but um, I thought I could have stepped up. I, I told Teron I got to watch it, but that's my my gut reaction right now. Simeon, that is him uh, talking about the, the, the fumble and the sack in the fourth quarter, that at that point the Saints just looked like they were just getting completely handled. No one would have thought that, hey, in about 20 minutes they're going to have a lead in this game, only to lose it at the end. Simeon, he dresses like he just shops at, I don't know, man, like Coles and he watching him, <laughs> watching him talk and how he dresses and his mannerisms – he looks like he doesn't play like, but he looks like, like a, 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 a distant, like an off child of the Manning family. I'm serious. You look at this guy's face when he's talking in a press conference, and he kind of resembles like a younger Cooper Manning. Which, by the way, Cooper, excuse me, not Cooper, Trevor, backed up Peyton Manning. Just don't go on the Manning cast, Trevor. Whatever you do, don't worry. Trevor's not a star. They're not going to have him on the Manning cast. But if you do go on the Manning cast and you're a current star, eesh, you might as well go on the cover of Madden. 
Week one, Travis Kelsey, Russell Wilson appeared on the Manning cast during Monday Night Football. What happened the next week? They lost. Week two, Rob Gronkowski, Manning cast. Next week, Bucks lost. Week three, Matt Stafford, Manning cast. Next week, they lost. Manning cast took a break for a few weeks. They came back. Monday night game, St. Seahawks. They interviewed Tom Brady. What happened the next week? He lost. Last Monday, Josh Allen of the Bills on the Manning cast. Certainly, he won't get cursed. I mean, they're playing the Jags next week, right? You're not going to lose that game. Nine to six. That's, I mean, that's, that's just gross. It's about as gross as the Saints play in the first 50 minutes yesterday. A 9-6 NFL game in Jacksonville and the Jags win against the Bills. What happened? See, the Bills The Bills are, are one of these favorites to win the Super Bowl, and then they have performances like that, and you're like, can we even take them serious? Can we even take them serious? Josh Allen got sacked and picked off by Josh Allen. And that wasn't even the most interesting thing that happened in that boring game. No, the the most interesting thing that happened in the worst game in the NFL yesterday was the kicker for the Jags. You can check more about this uh, out. You can check out more in regards to this and see the videos over at the ESPN Lafayette app, ESPNLafayette.com. But the Jaguars and their kicker, Matt Matthew Wright, 42-yard attempt, misses it. I mean, doinked it. No good. Wait, there's a false start on Jacksonville. Okay, you get a mulligan. Now it's 47 yards. Well, he misses that one, wide left. But guess what? Oh, the Bills, you ran into the kicker. Let's move it up five yards. He got a third try. 42 yards. And he missed it. (laughs) He missed three in a row. But guess what? They won the game. He made three field goals on the day. And ugh, that, but that, that, that sequence really just describes that game. It was weird, man. Daylight savings time? I don't know. It was just weird. Yesterday was a lot of weird stuff in the NFL. Uh, at ESPN Lafayette is the handle. You want to hit us up? Derek emails. Scott, tuning in late. Haven't heard you talk about the LSU game. What are your thoughts? My thoughts were they should have won the game. Hit on this a good bit earlier this hour. I think like the, the Saints and LSU and their losses this weekend did two things in those losses to their fan bases. They teased both fan bases with potential wins that would last well beyond this season. I mean, what, 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 like for the Saints, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out and how crucial yesterday's loss was or wasn't in regards to potentially making the playoffs or standings in the playoffs. But right now they're five and three. Otherwise, they would have been six and two. But that's not really what, what was lost. Yes, the game was lost. And for LSU, okay, so they would have been what? Above 500? Like, no, the win this season really isn't 
what was lost yesterday. For LSU and for the Saints, what was lost is their fan bases having victories that they could reference for eternity. Like, remember when Coach Joe, the seat wasn't hot, the seat was gone. He was done. He was coaching his fourth to last game because three weeks after that, he was already he already signed the papers. He was going to be fired. He was going to be relieved of his duties. And they somehow went to Alabama and beat a Bama team who was number two in the college football playoff rankings and ruined their season. Remember how great that was? That was something that LSU fans would hold for Alabama fans forever. Saints-Falcons, you've played so many times over the years. So many times. Falcons announced they were going to have an NFL team in 1966. A year later, they did. The Saints, All Saints Day, the next season they had a team, and Falcons were around one year before the Saints, and since then they played each other at least twice every single year, once in the playoffs. Lots of memorable games. But if the Saints had come back with Trevor Simeon and beaten Atlanta, who would blow a 24-6 lead with, what, nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, that is one that Saints fans would hold over Falcons fans forever. It would be funny. Instead, the Falcons are laughing at the Saints, who blew it. After coming back and taking a lead, they freaking blew it. It wasn't just that they lost single games over the weekend Not every win and not every loss is created equal. They lost more than just games yesterday and Saturday. And if Max Johnson was a little bit better, a little bit more of a competent passer, I mean, he's only a freshman, then LSU would have won. When you lose the turnover battle and then you win in Bama, or was it even? By the time all was said and done, I don't know if you if you if you count fourth down conversions. Certainly LSU was blowing it there. Fourth and goal from the eight. He had he had the receiver. Just that would have been a wild win. And the reality is, LSU's defense was great. They came to play. They allowed only what six rushing yards to Bama. Six. Bama is also completely overvalued by the College Football Playoff Committee. I mean, let's be real. Number two, no. No. One more game on the football schedule this week. Bears-Steelers tonight. Expect weird things to happen, I guess. There's nothing, I don't know. I don't, you got two historic franchises, but there's nothing really appealing about that matchup. Nothing that screams to me, oh, you better stay up and watch this one. But at this point, I mean, what else am I going to watch? The Pelicans? They're playing at Dallas. I mean, have you watched the Pelicans? If you have and you're like me, I'm, I'm sorry. It has been, been tough sledding, been rough. Check out the advice Kenny Smith had to give to Zion Williamson over on our website and on the app. This is ESPN Lafayette. Now at 103.3 on the FM dial, Still going at 14.20 on the AM and online worldwide. I'm Scott Prather. This is The Great Scott Show. When we come back, Malcolm Jenkins owning it. Owning it. What else are you going to do after that performance? Malcolm keeping it real. Check out what he had to say about the disappointing loss, the end of that game, and more when you come back 
with me right after this. It's the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. With the most possessed, you're stealing my books like I was Grandmaster Cash. Got props about anti-histories and analgesics. Wrong about expectorants. Y'all don't see a soothsayer, not a player, rhyme sayer, extreme. Burn like fire when I step on the scene. I got shark's teeth so I can bite your head. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on The Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch The Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Tomorrow, Jay Walker will join me in the 8 o'clock hour as he normally does. We'll have Terrible Tune Tuesday and more in the 7 o'clock hour tomorrow. Raging Cajun coaches. Basketball tips off. They played some exhibitions. But the women and men tip off tomorrow at the Cajun Dome. A doubleheader. Gary Broadhead will join me tomorrow morning. His squad taking on Texas A&M Kingsville at 5, 445 pregame. That'll be followed by Louisiana versus West Florida. The men, Coach Bob Marlin, will be on the show tomorrow as well. Shout out. To Theo Akwuba, the big man, the junior forward for Louisiana. He has been named to the 2021-22 Lou Henson Award preseason watch list. Shout out to him. He's good, man. Akwuba's good. I got some talent this year. We'll talk to the head coaches tomorrow, the morning of their seasons, officially tipping off with games that count in the standings. All right. Well, uh, if we can, we're going to hear some sound from Malcolm Jenkins. In the meantime, phone lines are open at 269-1077. Let's head to him. Good morning. Hello. I could see Beckham signing with, well, you see clear waivers, um, Baltimore or Kansas City. Because I heard Deshaun Jackson, and that made sense uh, since they lost rugs, uh, signed with the, uh, or it's going to sign with the Vegas Raiders. Um which I thought Beckham would be a nice fit, but oh well. Um, do you see that, Chiefs or Ravens? I mean, I, if if I guess if they put a waiver in for him, 
Um, but, you know, reports are that Seattle, San Francisco, and the Saints are, are where he's kind of leaning toward. I think Mike Florio reported that last night during Sunday Night Football. So if it's not one of those three teams, I, I you know, Kansas City or uh, – but I think he also wants to go somewhere where he knows he'll – He'll get a fair share of throws his way, honestly. So and, why go to Seattle? That doesn't make sense. Who's hurt? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think. See, I think San Francisco and the Saints do make sense in that regard. Um, so at, at this point, I think he'll. If if a team is willing to, let's say, he clears waiver, the team is willing to commit to him beyond this year at some at like good money. He's going to sign. If not, yeah. if it's more of like a rental and he's in a situation where some are speculating he will be, look, no one's going to claim him off waivers. They don't want to pick up the 7.25 mil. They're going to wait and try to sign him. If if it's mainly just rental offers and the difference is maybe a million or so, he's going to go to a team where he thinks he's going to get the most touches and he says be, he wants to be in the playoffs. Okay, throw that in there. But where he's going to improve his stock the most so he actually gets – a decent contract next off season. Um, that that's that's all of it in a nutshell, essentially. And so, Saints fans that are hoping for him, they're just hoping he clears waivers. And you know, Seattle, San Francisco, the Saints, it's all just rentals. And he looks at the Saints and says, "Okay, I see what they have at receiver. I think I can really improve my stock there." And you know, they are look. Say what you want about the Saints. I mean, four straight NFC South titles, strong locker room. He wants to go to a team that wins a lot. They win a lot. They win yesterday, but they win a lot. And since he's been in the NFL, he's been on teams that that won twice. Once was his rookie year in New York. The other was last year in Cleveland, and he was hurt most of the season. It wasn't a part of it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't bring him in. Um, Why? On a rental. Why uh, would you bring him in on a rental? I think that, well, he's not going to come here because I think he's going to look at the quarterback situation. And go and go to a quarterback you feel that's better than Tibby. Uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, so, so would you rather take a quarterback, Garoppolo or Simeon? I mean, it's a wash, kinda. I don't think Garoppolo's all that great. Garoppolo's better. Look, he's better than Simeon. Oh, I, I think he's. I, I should maybe a wash is putting it strong. I don't think Simeon's bad. He was fine. He's fine. He's fine. Where are you going to get the most touches? Uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad, but. Yesterday, oh, yesterday, oh. look, the, the protection was, wasn't bad. He was under pressure a few times, but the pocket was clean. He escaped when he had opportunities. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and if they catch the ball, he has a much better game yesterday. He operated the, the, the hurry up. He's, he's, he's fine. He's not the long-term answer, but the, he's fine. The Mario Davis, man, he, he got shook. By Matt, by Matt Ryan. Ryan. Like, two twice yesterday. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I was noticing. I was like, man, like Matt Ryan been watching film on uh, James run. Like, like he does that little pump fake. Like he's about to throw it. He, it's just, little, it's it's so like slow move. in it, but it like works. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're going full speed. You're getting juked by Matt Ryan. Ugh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, the defense, played, like, man, I, I, I make Matt Ryan jokes. He played great yesterday. I mean, I can't deny it. He played. He played great yesterday. When I saw him showing emotion on the sideline, I was like, oh, Saints lost. <laughs> he was out there throwing the helmet. He was hyped. But, yeah, they came back. You know, they made it a game. Saints took the lead. But, man, you can't let Patterson just get open like that. That man. was awful, man. After Not all on the sideline. After that comeback, after all that. 
Yeah, man. God, that was a crazy game, man. That, that was a play where the uh, Falcons went on on fourth down, and they handed the ball out. Like, it was just, it was just a weird, it was just a weird game, man. And uh, that's all I have to add. And uh, I think they're gonna beat Tennessee. I well, think the way this, this this has been a wacky NFL season. Yeah, it would it, w- so it would it would be just, it would be fitting of the way they've played this year. But their upcoming games, they're at the Titans, they're at the Eagles, then they have the Bills on a short week and the Cowboys a week later on Thursday night. So buckle up. It's almost like Saints play up to the uh the competition. I'm not saying they played down last night. No, yesterday, they, so they, the they did, in, they did in the first half. I'm telling you, man, I was there. The energy was awful by the Saints in the first half. Awful. Inexcusable. Yeah, like I said, it's not helping uh with, with receivers dropping passes, Troutman. Troutman. Awful. Troutman. Look, you have a good one, and uh, thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Gary Broadhead, Bob Marlin, Jay Walker, and more. Up next, Dan Patrick. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.